0: Everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of the Inves podcast. Today, we are going to be talking foreign exchange. And here with me is Marcia. Uh, he is a trader and Forex specialist on Inves. How are you doing today, Marcia?
1: Hey, hello. How are you? Nice meeting you.
0: Yeah, not, not, not too bad. Nice to meet you as well. Um, so maybe, like, first of all, we're going to talk Euro today because you're Romanian. I'm Irish. Um, so, but but you live in Spain, right?
1: Yes, yes, in Mallorca.
0: Is is it warm there now?
1: Uh so and so, but usually it's warmer than on the on the continental Europe, so it's it's a pretty nice le- place to be in during the winter, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, it's definitely nicer than the rest of Europe, I'd say. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so so let's talk the euro because it's it's kind of been struggling a little bit this year so far. Um well I guess every major currency has kind of fallen down again against the dollar, but what what's your kind of thought process on the euro right now
1: um euro is is a bit let's say it's surprisingly strong given what's take what was happening in in ukraine with the war and if you if you look at the euro how it how it moved to 0.95 against the against the dollar and now trade something like 0.5, so it's over 1000 pips from from the lows when nothing really changed in in the bigger picture. I would say that the euro US dollar in particular is, is, is moving uh, in a straight correlation with the US markets. I'm talking about US equity markets. Uh, as, you, as, you, as you noted that the euro US dollar bottomed somewhere around um, end of September or October, something like this, together with, with, the, with the Dow Jones, together with the S&P 500. So there is a strong correlation there not only uh, between the euro u s dollar and the u s equity markets but the u s dollar and the u s equity market the u s dollar pairs uh coming back to the problems in europe well first of all it was the energy crisis which continues to be uh, second the ecb uh, being in a in a tight place as uh, inflation is rampant and um, recession uh, recession uh, uh, it's probably uh, going to come to Europe at the start of, of, of next year. So a bit of a bit of difficult uh, environment for the euro. And yet, and yet, it bounced from the lows. So um, I'm not that pessimistic on euro, to be honest.
0: Okay. Uh, can I ask you, because that's an interesting point you made about the correlation between it and the Dow Jones, why exactly is that, or, or US equity markets in general, what, why exactly is that correlation there?
1: Well. I would say that this was the main theme in 2022. If you if you uh, notice that the US equity markets started at the all-time highs 2022, and then they dropped. But together with the with the with the drop in the US equity markets, the dollar strengthened. And not only against the euro, against the Australian dollar, against the New Zealand dollar, the British pound, and everything. So that's what that was, that was a, a a very tight correlation. And then the bottom on the u.s equity market coincides with the bottom on all these u.s dollar pairs so it's mostly a dollar reaction rather than what the euro did or what what the pound did what the australian dollar and so on so it's all about the u.s the world's reserve currency so um yeah
0: yeah i know it and, and i've got the chart up here you can see the dow on it exactly like it says we open near all-time highs and then you can see this bottom right down here at the turn of september exactly. october and then
1: exactly
0: when you flick over to europe to the euro it's you know the bottom is almost the exact same there at, um around that september october mark exactly so yeah now, it's a really interesting point you make
1: now if you look at this chart the, the euro US dollar a 0, 0.550 and it was trading, I guess, something like 1.13 or something like this at the start of the trading year. At the same time, the bounce that we see on the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 is more pronounced since the bottom in uh, early October. So the Dow Jones is something like 3,000 or 4,000 points from the all-time highs, but the euro is not that is not did not recover that much, like the U.S. equity market. So that that might be some room of improvement, I would say. If this correlation is uh, is about to uh, to keep going as as it did, but coming back to the currencies, uh, the main theme of this year, I don't think that it was for the currency for the currency market. I don't think that it was the U.S. dollar or the euro, or it was the Japanese yen, and in particular the U.S. dollar Japanese yen because the breakout. Uh, if you if, if you have a chart on the U.S. dollar and Japanese yen. Uh, At the start of the trading year, it was around 116 or something like this. And all of a sudden it broke, it broke above 116 in an unexpected moment for for many traders and for many investors, namely when Russia invaded Ukraine. But the Japanese yen up to that point used to be a safe haven currency. So when, when bad things happen, Investors found refuge in, uh, into safe haven currencies like the Japanese yen. Only this time, it happened the other way around. Instead of the Japanese yen strengthening, the Japanese yen actually was sold aggressively, and that was uh, the move for the year. And whoever missed that move, well, pretty much missed the, um, the main, the main, um, the main move in the currency market. Yeah. And then from there, from 120, one thing led to to another. It was 140, 150 until the Bank of Japan intervened. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and can can we talk about that for a second, like the bank intervening? Why did they do that and what exactly happened there?
1: Well, uh, the Bank of Japan is the only major central bank that did not follow the path that the that the Fed laid out, right? So high inflation, tightening. The Bank of Japan said, no, they are not tightening. And they kept easing and they kept easing. So that's there was this huge policy divergence between the Fed, between the other central banks, because the Bank of England followed, uh, followed the Fed, the ECB, and so on. But it was this huge divergence, which still exists, by the way, between the Fed and the Bank of Japan. And the interest rate differential paid for being on the long side of the U.S. dollar in Japanese yen. Um, The Bank of Japan intervened in in October, if I'm not mistaken, or something like this, and it did it twice, at an interval of three or four weeks. Um, first, First, when the U.S. dollar Japanese yen was around 146, and the second time, 150. And it is a signal that they try to give to the market. So it's like a line in, line in the sand, right? 146, 150, and now the US and Japanese and 136. So you might say, okay, inter- interventions work. But if you look traditionally back in time, they don't. They just buy some time. So um, for 2022, it was a good, a good thing to, to, to mind, of the Bank of Japan intervention. But uh, moving forward, I would say that the market will test their willingness and their ability to, to support the interventions with, with some cash, right?
0: Um, yeah, and, and do you think this is sustainable long-term?
1: No, long-term, no. They gotta do something. Either they will either they will follow the, the, the Fed's path because inflation in Japan is also on the rise, for instance, I, yeah. I read an interesting article something like a couple of months ago. Uh, in Japan, they used to have the 100 yen sushi meal, right? You pay 100 yen sushi, 100 yen for, for a sushi meal. Now, 100 yen is not that much, but that is out of the question right now. So, uh, inflation is, is, is coming up, so uh, the Bank of Japan might do something. I don't think that they will, and I don't think that they want to do. At this point in time but that's another stuff
0: yeah and, and that that like differential in the interest rates like it's pronounced japan but it is what we're seeing everywhere right like like the t-bell right now i think it's four percent you know they'll be up four four and a half percent probably by the end of the year um and you're seeing like even even back in europe like we have a little bit of trouble we don't want to raise the rates because you know that then it comes down to the it's a fiscal union, but it's on a monetary union, you know, you've got, you've got countries like Germany who want to raise those rates to rein in inflation. And then you've got countries like Italy who are, you know, burdened with debt and it, it, the higher interest rate payments could really hurt them. So th- this is, and, and to explain this, it's just the the, the the simple thesis behind this is that when interest rates rise in the U S you know, that's, you're getting an extra yield, your money. So capital flows in and the dollar strengthens, but this is something we see historically, right? Like when, the world goes through periods of uncertainty or recessions, the US dollar tends to strengthen.
1: Yes, that's correct. Yes. Now, it depends a lot on how much of it is priced in in the market because um, when the Fed started to, to hike and then it delivered 375 basis points, next week, probably 50, another 50 basis. These are huge moves, historically huge moves. Uh, which can be explained by inflation reaching, reaching four decade high, four decades highs and so on. Uh, but how much is too much and how much is priced in? Because everyone knows where inflation is and everyone knows what the Fed wants to do. See, that chart is, is perfect because uh, it explains how, how funds flow into the safety of the world's reserve currency during troubled times. But during troubled times, central banks intervene to support the economy. It was the pandemic, the, uh, and uh, and uh, in the 2008 the great financial crisis and so on, um, and after things calm down a bit, then uh, um, flows start to to move around. I would say that uh, moving forward, it's not necessarily important what the Fed does because it's already priced in. But it's important what other central banks do in Response to what the Fed already did because the Fed did a four point something, but look at the ECB in Europe—we are very, very, very low. So there is a there is a room to catch up uh, with the Fed. Another interesting interesting thing that that we might see, and we don't know how uh, how the markets would react, is this quantitative tightening, which is the opposite of quantitative easing, right? Because we don't know what the reaction would be because there is no precedent. Like it was no precedent with quantitative easing when it was first introduced by Ben Ben Bernanke. There is no precedent with the tightening. And yet, everyone goes with the tightening. You've seen Bank of Canada um, uh, this week and so on. So, if I'm I'm just saying from the top of my head, if the ECB does not hike as aggressive as the Fed did, but it will tighten, quantitative tightening, more aggressive than the Fed does it will shrink liquidity it will take liquidity out the out of the market faster and that would translate in the euro USL exchange rate for instance so these these dynamics these dynamics they work a bit around interest rate hikes or interest rate kite around this the traditional monetary policy for instance um, one of the most important and interesting, things that happened in this second part of the year, in this quarter, is that the ECB decided to change the TLTRO's terms retroactively. Now, TLTROs, these are um, longer-term loans paid or given to commercial banks in Europe under very, very, very special conditions, right? To support lending to population, to households, to, build, to businesses and so on. Now they change the the conditions and they are making them more restrictive. In other words, they allow commercial banks to pay back some or all of the loans ahead of uh, changing these conditions. And there is something like 1 trillion euros of excess liquidity that might come back or out of the system. Uh, I would say in the first half of the next year or something like this. So even if the ECB does not hike as aggressive as the Fed does, this excess liquidity that is going to be pulled out of the financial system should support the euro on any dip. Um, for instance, only in November, when it was the first deadline of this, of this TLTR arose, over 240 to 249 billion euros were repaid by commercial banks back and therefore. That money doesn't exist anymore. So it is a drain of liquidity from the European financial system and then should support the euro. Now, if I will go back to the US dollar and Japanese yen, which I would say is or, or made a, a major breakout in 2022. That was the key, the, the, the move of the year. And if we had this euro uh, thing, then the euro-Japanese yen would be an interesting pair to watch
0: next year. The euro, Japanese yen. Okay, from in- from
1: is, from these dynamics, you know, uh, the FX market moves in 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 a th- in three zones. There are always two majors and one cross. The two majors are the euro, U.S. dollar. In this case, the U.S. dollar and Japanese yen, and the cross, the euro in the Japanese yen. So, if the euro, U.S. dollar, for instance, trades pe- at at parity, then the U.S. dollar and Japanese yen, and the euro and Japanese yen, will have the same. The same rate, the, the same exchange rate. But if the euro US dollar or as the euro US dollar moves above parity, if the US dollar and Japanese yen breakout, the bullish breakout break is here to stay, then the euro and Japanese yen, the cross, will benefit the most from, uh, from this relationship,
0: if you want. Yeah, interesting. And so let me ask you about another one that, because I want to ask how the Swiss franc ties into all this, because it's, yeah, I guess we can still call it a major one, but it's actually been like a stand, like the dollar's kind of crushed every currency and it strengthened a little against the Swiss franc, but on the whole of things, the Swiss franc this year has been relatively okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that has a lot to do with, uh, with the Swiss National Bank and with the fact that inflation in Switzerland uh, was not and is not as high as it is in the United States as it is in 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 Euro in the Euro area, and that um, that was also a, a cause for for the Swiss franc to act as as it did. Now, the Swiss franc traditionally is a safe haven currency, and as long as the Swiss National Bank kept the uh, interest rates at record negative uh, levels minus 0.75 until recently, then investors were still buying the swiss franc even under these under those those conditions and now that the swiss national bank ended the negative uh, the negative rates that i would say that uh, we may see some interesting play in the swiss franc as well but mostly the swiss franc play or acted as it did because inflation was not that high, is not that high in switzerland uh, this combo of Take Europe, right? This combo of a weak currency like the Euro, US dollar was 1.13 at the start of the year and then uh, 0.95 and high inflation. This is very difficult to, uh, to fight. And the war in the outskirts of Europe, in Eastern Europe, this is a combination very difficult to fight, which the Swiss bank has, uh, has not had to, to deal with. And that's, that's why the Swiss franc is
0: what it is. Yeah, we, I've just pulled up the latest inflation statistics here for, for anyone on the audio stream. And like Switzerland is kind of shockingly low at three percent or yeah. relatively. Exactly.
1: Um, you you can fight inflation with a strong currency. I mean, look at the U.S., right, with a strong dollar.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we've got the euro area at 10.6 percent. So it's over triple what Switzerland is. The U.S. is still 8.2 percent. So, yeah, Um. It, it It's quite notable in, in that context um maybe just a, a, as we're coming to a close here in the next three months, like if you had to kind of three to six months let's say if you had to park your wealth in any one currency, very difficult question but uh and I know you've kind of alluded to it throughout this as well, but what would be your your currency of choice I guess as as we kind of fight this ongoing bear market and energy crisis in Europe?
1: yeah, I like the euro, so um there's no secret. I like the euro. But in particular, I like the euro in Japanese yen for the reasons I already explained here. Yep. I like the euro based on the uh, these dynamics with where the ECB is is forced to drain liquidity to fight inflation. And the U and shorting the Euro also um, bears a premium risk from my point of view. It's a bit dangerous to be short on the Euro because because of because of this, this war in Ukraine. I mean, any any positive, any positive development, whatever it will be. I don't know. It depends what the market interprets uh, um, to be a positive development, and so. on, But any positive news should lead to a to the euro squeezing higher, because this was a main main drag on the on the common currency, and therefore being short of the euro is a bit risky. Um, I like the fact that uh the ECB is not rushing into into raising rates as uh uh as other central banks did because inflation might eventually have peaked and therefore with this drain of liquidity that will take place in the first half of the year I would favor the euro yeah
0: okay interesting well we should uh jump on in, in the new year and and re-update that um but yeah it makes sense like there'll there'll be a lot of volatility in the the foreign exchange markets going forward and no more so than the euro given for sure obviously obviously the war um but yeah thanks martia for uh joining us today and uh yeah hope to chat again soon
1: thank you